always find what you love at Total Wine and More. With so many great bottles to choose from at the lowest price, it's easy to find your favorite Cabernet or a new single barrel bourbon to try with some help from one of our friendly guides. And with every bottle comes the confidence of knowing you just found something amazing. With the lowest prices over 30 years, find what you love and love what you find only at Total Wine and More. Curbside pickup and delivery available in most areas. Visit TotalWine.com to learn more. Spirits not sold in Virginia or North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. This is the Ed Marlin Show. Welcome back to Max Out, everybody. I am super excited about today's show because I have a WWE superstar, the Universal Champion to my right, Colby Lopez, a.k.a. for most of you, Seth Rollins, is in the house today. Actually, I'm in your house, sort of, yeah, because well, we're at the WWE headquarters here in Los Angeles. We're here. This is nice. First time I've ever been here, actually. Hell of a view, LA. Is it your first time? First time in the LA offices, yeah. Dude, I've been here like 10 times. I'm, oh, really? I'm, so maybe I'm, I'm a bigger time WWE than you maybe are. it's your house before it's my house. I'm visiting my own house. Well, <laughs> however that works. A little bit bizarre. Yeah. But speaking of your house, that's actually a really good segue to start out because I was researching you. You know, obviously millions of people know who you are, but I don't know that all of them know like how you grew up, like literally the house you grew up in. Oh yeah, did and, you like Google Home me or something? You well, find my, my little spot there I, in Buffalo, well, Iowa. Well, I, I did. <laughs> oh and then, really? But the other thing I figured out, I'm like, I'm, I'm figuring out. You didn't. It's interesting. Like when I interview people that do well, I'm usually fascinated by their backstory because I think myself and others, like, I want to know what creates this. Oh. Like a dude who's achieved what you've achieved. Because people that watch this, you know, they may not all come from perfect backgrounds or have the perfect situation, be in the perfect relationship, have the perfect financial situation happening. Your upbringing wasn't perfect. Yeah. So well, talk well, a little bit about how you grew up and your dad's situation and all that. Well, yeah. So most people, I think, don't have it, you know, none of that perfect stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everyone's got something going on. So um, I grew up in like a super small town in the middle of Iowa, like right on the Mississippi River. It's called Buffalo. There's literally maybe 800, 900 people right. population in there. And we were outside of the Quad Cities, and and, and, uh, and so it was, you know, a little bit of populated mm-hmm. area there. But Davenport's, or Buffalo was so small, I grew up, like, on a corner of the street. There's no stoplights, just no stop way. signs. Like, we had a post office. They didn't deliver mail to the houses, none of that stuff. And um, wow. I... My mom had me as a single mother in 86, and then uh, she got married in 88, and that's when my dad adopted me. So you mentioned Colby Lopez. <laughs> Lopez is, is an adopted name, so I'm not Hispanic, right? And not at all, yeah. uh, even though the dark features, some people confuse You're me. You're Armenian. I'm Armenian, right, yeah. yeah. So my mom was living in Chicago. She ended up uh, getting pregnant and not wanting to raise a kid in Chicago as a waitress, so she came back to Iowa where she grew up, mm-hmm. um, you know, to kind of have her parents help out, and she, she met the boy across the street and uh yeah so fell in love and, and got married and then he adopted me so he's the dude who raised me like my whole life basically. so lopez he, is dad. your dad mr lopez yeah he's yeah. The, he's that's where i got the name he's uh, ronald lopez you know hard working uh hispanic uh, half hispanic guy from uh from buffalo iowa from and iowa. yeah i'm curious because i didn't i don't think i've seen you ask this before do you know your birth your birth father no never met him never met him never had him reach out to me anything like that nothing is there, so is, we're going to somewhere I didn't know we go, but I'm just curious, is there is there a part of you who would want that or So not you know, there was I always asked questions as I was growing up with my mom and she was very forthcoming, like she never really hid anything from me or kept anything. Uh, you know, if I wanted to reach out she probably would have helped. She might have had the information to get me there. But it was something that I never felt like 
uh, I was missing out. You know mm. what I'm saying? So like my dad was an awesome dad, coached my little league teams, like mm. taught me everything I know about being a man, like hard working, cut the grass, you know, having a, a, a beer at the twilight. You know, he was yeah. he was a man's man. So I never felt like I was missing anything from um, like a male role model perspective. Yeah. I had an older brother too, he's a few years older than me. And so between them, my uncles, my grandpa, like I was set as far as that was concerned. So. Like a little curiosity, just uh-huh. just to get like his side of the story, yeah, know, my right. biological dads, and also to know if there are any like brothers or sisters out there that I well, that's a good that point. I don't know about, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so, um, just to know that your blood sort of like is just bouncing around somewhere in the suburbs of Chicago would be interesting to know, like kind of where your your family and does he know what you've become? Yeah, I have right? no clue. Does he have any idea? Yeah, that's a pretty good story, brother. Like. Yeah. Millions and millions of people, you've become this like you're becoming an icon. You're not just a superstar; like you're drifting to that icon status in your in your Oof. profession. You know, it's and weird. I don't feel like that's you know. Uh, I you don't? Feel, no, not at all. I still feel like the kid that grew up, you know, in Fifth and Clark in Buffalo, Iowa. Like I still feel like that kid that was like in his backyard, you know, with his friends, you know, play fighting and stuff like that. So. How, how did you? Let's go a little bit through that. I'm curious. Again, like what makes you? So obviously, you had a great mother and father that raised you. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. One of the things, the first thing you notice about him, by the way, when you meet him, is for somebody with such celebrity and the accolades and the attention, it's your humility. You know, immediately, it's the Iowa boy in you. Yeah. How do you get? Did you always want this? Like, what you're doing right now was that your dream as a child to become this? Yeah, I think in some form or fashion. I, I really love sports growing up. I, I love WWE. I, my my uh, my dad and my grandpa took me to a live event. Oh man, when I was like four or something like that, took me and my brother to a live event when I was four or five years old, and I remember just being fascinated. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they're like live they're live action superheroes. You yes. know what I mean? Like Macho Man, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Legion of Doom. Like these guys are out in their costumes and their face paint and their music and they're ripping off their shirts and they're oiled and strong and tan and I'm like, you know, okay, I could love Spider-Man, which was cool, but like these guys are right there in living color, you know, and these are real life superheroes. And so I was fascinated from an early age. I, I never really thought about the idea of being a wrestler. It just seemed so out of out of the realm of possibility because these guys were all right. He-Man, right? Yeah, six six, three hundred pounds, and I'm just you know this little kid from Iowa. Like, how am I going to do that? So I drifted more into like baseball, right, mm-hmm. or like football, basketball, things that seemed more tangible. Where I was like, I could compete with the kids at my elementary school and be really good. So I was mm. like, oh, maybe I could do this, right? And then um, it was one of those things where okay, then I started to get older and I started to be a you know. A, in a bigger pond, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go to high school and now there's kids who are, you know, who are. They you know, literally yeah. are, right. I'm like, oh, I can't even shoot a ball. <laughs> you know, like, well, I'm never making it to the right. NBA. I'm going to be six foot one. And that's the, at my at best, you know. Right. And so luckily at the time uh, in, in wrestling, it started to become a little bit more of a small man's game. So you mm. started to see WWE superstars like Shawn Michaels, right. the Hitman Hart, Mr. Perfect, who were just a little bit smaller in stature. Mm. They're moving around a little bit more. And it, it started to become like a reasonable possibility that, oh, okay, this maybe this is a thing I could do. Mm. And uh, right when wrestling boomed, like in the Attitude Era, which was like maybe 96, 97, 98, that's also when the internet sort of like started to blow up. And so it was like you could take a video camera, you could do something on your trampoline, and you could put it on the internet, and you could see other people doing the same thing. And so there was like a weird community of like backyard wrestling that was starting to... Really? Yeah, yeah, starting to blossom. And so like 
I, me and my friends, we were all really into WWE at the time, and so we just started, you know, just the way you would be Tom Brady in your backyard throwing a football. Yeah. I wanted to be Mick Foley jumping off the top rope. So I did that in my backyard, you know, however dangerous it may, it may be, right. do not try it at home. It was right. a terrible idea. I'm lucky I came out unscathed <laughs> right. for the most part. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to, you know, be our favorite wrestlers. And so we did that. We would like cut up flyers and put on little shows for our friends and family and stuff like that. And You did? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was, we were nuts. We it's were. interesting because the stories aren't like, like you know that Natty was on my show and, um, she did that too. Like she comes from a wrestling family, obviously, yeah, so yeah, it's much yeah. different. You just mentioned her uncle, but but same thing. Like she kind of grew up and started putting on these little shows. And then, was there a point like where you're like, okay, I'm going to go to a wrestling school, or like I I'm good enough at this? Someone noticed you? Yeah. So I was, you know, we started doing this stuff on the trampoline when I was like 14 or so, and I remember the moment. Uh, because I was in between eighth and ninth grade, so I was going to high school, and my parents wanted me to do. I I, mean, I kind of did too because I was still playing basketball at the time and I was okay at it. And they wanted me to kind of do this summer camp, um, you know, for basketball to get ready for like freshman year or whatever. And uh, I remember the moment like at the kitchen table. And at this point, I'm an angsty teen. My mom's gone through a couple of divorces at this point, And like, you know, I'm, I'm just, I hate everything, hate everyone. All I want to do is wrestle. Leave me alone. Let me play video games and eat my chips and drink my soda. And, you know, that was my really? life. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so... Um, I had a little weight set in the basement, but I didn't have the I didn't have the focus just yet. So I remember the the dinner. I remember sitting down for dinner and having it in my mind that I was going to tell my parents that I wasn't going to do this basketball camp mm-hmm. and being like very uh, afraid to how they were going to respond. And I remember telling them, "Yeah, I don't want to do this camp. I think I want to be a wrestler when I get older." Mm-hmm. And like you could see the disappointment in their mm-hmm. faces. And I remember like being, you know, just being so steadfast that no, this is what I was gonna do. And so like, as disappointing as it was to, I knew what they were gonna respond with. So like, as disappointing as that was, I wasn't expecting them to be like, oh, yay. Right. <laughs> you know? um, but that like, that put a chip on my shoulder right away. And so now I was gonna, I was gonna do it despite them, yeah. right? I was gonna work harder to spite them. And so after that, I was just like, all right, I'm going to be a wrestler. What do I got to do to make this happen? Really? And so then it was from then on, I was, you know, me and uh, four of my friends, three, three or four of my friends, we were all going to do it together. <laughs> my brother was one of them. And uh, we were like, okay, we're going to, you know, do high school. And then right when we're out, we're going to go to wrestling school. We're going to make it happen. Mm. And so that's kind of how it started. That's really where it started. It's I interesting. Say. I've had, I've had, I don't know, 100, 150 interviews, right? And all of the people that have been on my show have probably at one point gone to their family and go, hey, here's what I want to be. I want to be a singer. I want to be a pro mm. NBA basketball player. I want to be a wrestler. And obviously, almost every single time it's met from the family with like, right. But what's interesting about how you said it, I don't know, I've never even thought about this before, but like, what do you expect them to say? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of what you would say. And so yeah. that's interesting that, you know, all of you with this big dream, like, they're probably going to react that way. But what you did is you took that and put the chip on your shoulder rather than let it discourage you. Because that is an outlandish thing that you said you wanted to go yeah. do, right? Yeah, dude, I'm literally, you got to understand, like I said, I grew up in a small town, 800 people. Right. Like, no like, one, no one gets out. Like, right. No one does anything. Right. Everyone talks about getting out, but everyone yeah. just ends up like their parents. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And so, of course, it's a pipe dream. What's it's interesting, a pipe dream. What's, what's interesting, though, is, and I want people to hear this, too. I don't care if you're 80 years old listening to this or you're 8 years old. Somebody becomes this. Right, somebody's going to be 
the WWE Universal Champion. Somebody's going to play Major League Baseball. Somebody's going to be a millionaire in business. Why not that be you? Yeah. There's yeah. not a reason why it can't be you, even though it's going to be met with this adversity and scoffing and they think you're crazy and all that. Why do you think, though, and don't be humble on this, why would it end up being you and not your buddies or your brother? Oh, man, there's so many layers to that, right? So I'd love to personally take credit and say it was because I outworked them all, which is the truth. I did. But I think that work ethic stems from the contributions of, so funny, I you know kind of go back to that dinner table conversation where I knew my parents would be disappointed. And at the end of the day, like they're the reason that I had that conversation to begin with because they, you know what I mean? Like they're the ones who instilled this, this mentality in me mm. from an early age that I could be anything that I wanted to be. Mm. And so fast forward 14 years and I've been told that and reinforced it like, look, you're an amazing kid. You can do whatever you want. Anything you set your mind to, you can accomplish it. Like, so having that drilled into your head yeah. for years and years and years, come to being 14, I say, well, yeah, I can. Mm-hmm. I can do that. So I've got that already just drilled into my formative brain, yeah. you know? And so I believe that I can accomplish this. And then I have somebody telling me that I don't when all I've ever known my whole life is that I can. Wow. So I, I, instead of that resistance being something that, that pushes me backwards, it's something that empowers me. Yeah. And so it's strange that it's coming from the same source, you know, my parents. But, but then you've got, you know, my friends just didn't, they were, you know, we had the same upbringing, but we all have different paths. And so, you know, their parenting situation or the way they grew up was just different. Slightly enough, different. Just different enough to where once we get to that breaking point, like where's the threshold, okay? We get to this point and one drops off. Now we get to the next point, the other gets married, okay? The one's too afraid to take the, the dive, you know? So yep. it's just like, and the way my path was, was put in front of me, I was blessed with just this work ethic that my parents instilled in me from an early age. Do you have a plan B? No, man. Yeah. I never did. Yeah. I never had a plan B. I bet you everybody else had back, 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 back of their mind a plan B. Yeah, there was always something. Or like, you know, like one of my friends, like his number one goal in life was always to be, like he wanted to be a dad, you know, and he wanted to be a husband and stuff like that. And so Mm -hmm. once he found the the woman that he thought that was going to be with, like, it, that became his priority and yeah. wrestling just kind of drifted away. Yeah. And for me, I never had any other aspirations. Like once I set my mind to that, that was all I ever wanted to be. And I never put, I put, I, I put all my eggs in that basket. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say this though, because you said two things there. I want to just go, I just want to tell you this too. But first thing you said, another thing no one said on my show before, which happened to me too. And I just want to like acknowledge that you said it. I also had parents who were like, you can be anything, you can be anything, you can be anything. But then when I actually went to be the anything, they were like, nah, I don't know. Exactly. Right? And so it's interesting that you can come from a family that's done all those right things and instilled them in you. But even them, when you actually, to this day, like in my family, it's just a, it's a pattern. Like in, of all the things maybe I have or haven't accomplished in business or life or whatever, to this day, when my old man, I go, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's like to this day, it's still the same thing, you know? So I wanted to acknowledge that. And then the second thing that you have that every person has in common that's maxed out is like obsessive on one thing. Oh, obsessed. Like, yeah. a, like literally obsessed. Yeah. Like, I don't care if it's been a comedians I've had on, actors, politicians, business people. Like, there wasn't lots of other alternatives. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this was it. And I, to this day, you're obsessed with this, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, this, this is it for me, dude. I've dedicated my entire life to it. And like, it's funny, you know, I get questions all the time, like just in interviews randomly. Like, people will ask the like, oh, well, what would you be doing if you weren't a W? I'm like, dude, I'd be a bum. Four Fortunate enough that I was, you know, 
put into a situation where I was given opportunities to succeed and get to this point because if I didn't, I'd be, yeah. I'd be out on Venice Beach surfing. You That's know so saying? amazing I, I that you know, say that. Dude. I just yeah. wouldn't, I don't know what I would do. People ask me that often about other like kind of well-known friends of mine that do something like, what do you think he'd do? I'd be like, I'll be honest with you, man, nothing. Like he's great at this, right? Yeah. And those skills transfer, the hard work and all that. Yeah. But you say something. Yeah, so yeah. that's the funny thing is like, now when I'm 14, I decide this is what I want to do and I put, I'm like, okay, how do I do this? So this was like the motivation to learn skills that now carry over into different avenues in life. So this was like the starting point, right? That's mm-hmm. a stake in the ground and then everything just branched out. So now, yeah, I can talk in front of yeah. people. Now I'm a bit of an athlete. Now I have like this crazy work ethic and all that stuff. Like now I can have conversations with, you know, 10,000 people or yep. one-on-ones like this. Yep. But like before, but that all started with this dream. That mm. all st- without this, that motivation, like I might have just been the quiet, shy kid that, like, you know, stayed in his room and listened to his headphones yes. and wrote poetry. You know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah. like, who knows? That's so fascinating because I'm that way too. By the way, you also gave hope to all you parents out there whose kids are playing video games and sucking down sodas at the time because <laughs> look what this one turned into, right? So you never know. I want to ask you something I haven't asked someone before. What is it like? Try to describe. Everyone listening to this, if they listen to my stuff or watch my stuff, they have a dream of some type, right? I haven't asked anybody this before. I don't know why. Oh, all right. What's it like stepping into an act? What's it feel like to be doing your dream? Like, you're in it. Was it what it was cracked up to be? Is it surreal? Do you still wonder whether you belong? What's it feel like? Maybe it doesn't even feel like you're doing it yet. I don't know, but... You're in your dream, man. Like I can see you thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. What yeah, is yeah. that like? So when you when you have this goal in mind, right? When you have this one dream in mind, I think uh, everything it, it sort of gets linear, right? You put yeah. these blinders on and you focus, and you have this idea of what it's going to feel like when you get to that endpoint. Okay, and then you get to that endpoint, and you look around, and it doesn't feel like anything, right? It just feels like life. And so like one of the things that I really realized, especially in the last couple of years, because I've been so fortunate to, to really hit a lot of my own personal goals. One thing that I realized more than anything is that the end point is not what's important. The journey is the important part and it never ends. And so like understanding that like stopping to smell the roses, yes, but just understanding that like that struggle that, that um, you know, having to overcome those obstacles, like doing all that stuff is such a cool part of what it's like to be human and that, ex- that human experience. And so like, yeah, it's great to have a goal. You've got to. I think, you know, part of what sets us apart from other mammals is the ability to set these goals and to have this awareness to want to accomplish things in life and stuff like that. But we get so fixated on what it's going to feel like when we reach the finish line that when we get there and we look around and we go through that ribbon, we're like, wait, wait, there's still so much more to do. There's still so much more life to live. And so then it becomes readily apparent that like it was never about getting to that end point. It was about all the steps it took to get there and beyond. And so <laughs> it's hard to really put into words what it's like to live in that dream. At the same time, it's amazing. I've been 
able to do things through this and through pursuing this dream that I never would have imagined to be able to take those experiences back, share them with my family, share them with my friends, uh, share them with you know my students at my wrestling school who are you know embarking upon the same journey to an extent. Um, that is invaluable and that I, I will never take for granted. Yeah. But like it's dude, it's the steps along the way. It's not the end point. It's not the actual dream. It's like pursuing the dream that's really the most the most important part. It was one of the most articulate uh, and true statements I've heard doing this because that's how I feel. And um, that just gets me weirdly emotional almost because it's the truest answer to mm-hmm. what it's like when you step into it. Are you afraid you're going to lose it? Yeah, yeah. I, there is there is a lot of fear that it, uh, that it'll go away. Mm-hmm. But um, I've also been like, I don't know. You know, kind of this awareness lately that like, um, if it did go away, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really regret anything, or I wouldn't be disappointed, and I wouldn't panic. I feel like if, if for whatever reason it disappeared tomorrow, like I, I've done all right. You know what I mean? I'm pretty satisfied with the things that I've accomplished, and and you know whatever's ahead, like it's all icing on the cake at this point for me. So really I'm just good. looking forward to the next stage of my life. Really good. I think that it stays with guys who keep their humility, keep working on themselves, stretching their identity. You know, what you never want to have happen is that your results exceed your identity, like what you think you're worth, right? Like I'm yeah. a big believer in that. As long as you keep grinding, you keep pushing, you keep stretching who you think you are, what you think you're worth, then the results will always be trailing that. It's when you <laughs> yeah. the results start to exceed that stuff and you cool it that yeah. you've made it. I don't see any of that on you at all. So I think you're in good shape. But um, question couple things because I want to talk about you've actually expanded life a little bit now I know what it's like to have that laser focus then mm. when you do get there you can have life one of the cool things about your life that I know people are going to want to know and they'll, especially WWE fans will want to know if I don't ask you but you've become part of like a power couple oh yeah <laughs> right yeah it's probably something you never thought was going to happen either so yeah, tell me not. if I don't ask you this like what's the deal with you and Becky Lynch oh we're just crazy in love Mm. <laughs> um, which is a nice little, you know, again, it starts here. If, if I don't have this dream, I don't ever meet her and we never get to this point. So, um, yeah, dude, it's awesome. She's like uh, the perfect partner for me. And the thing is, you know, I never dated inside the industry. It was always because I was afraid. I was like, oh, I don't want to date girls who do the same thing as me. Maybe we'll be too close. We'll have too much in common. Uh, and I always sort of dated girls that were wrong for me. Like I had this idea of what I thought I wanted. Mm-hmm. Like you, you have this kind of character of yourself in your mind, right? This mm-hmm. person that you are and you imagine what this person that you're you know, supposed to be with, what they look like and what you want. But what I never realized, and I had a conversation with a friend about this, is like what I want and what I needed were not the same thing. They were not the same thing. They were not aligned. Mm-hmm. And you don't really know that, I don't think, until you meet the person who is all the things you need and more. And so, uh, you know, Becky and I had been friends for oof, uh, four or five years or so. Mm. Just really good friends, like hit it off like from the first conversation. I remember the first conversation I ever had with her, um, she was, I had a plate of food in my hand and I said hi to her or whatever and we introduced and I was just, this was, like I said, four years ago and, I, and I, I'm like, all right, what's your story? Because being a, being a guy who takes pride in, in our company here and, and I, I want to have good people involved, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Someone, I, I fancy myself a bit of a leader of our locker room and I just don't want to have a crew that is sketchy, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I want to have good human beings on board and so I, I, I make a, a habit out of Find, finding out about people, Wonderful. just want to know their stories. So uh, t- tell me what your deal is. So our first conversation was that question and then her just giving me 
45 minutes of like her whole story. Yeah. And I found myself just, you know, eating my food, just asking all these questions about her. And we were just, we connected from then on. And um, awesome. it was one of those things where we both were just kind of doing other things and you know relationship here relationship there and and uh we finally it just sort of came together earlier this year and it's been uh it's been for me the happiest i've ever been that's wonderful so dude she adds so much to my life and i hopefully i add a little bit to hers but she makes me want to be a better person every single day and i think i admire her i respect her and i just think she's so talented as a performer but also she's just awesome human being mm. and like when i watch the way she deals with other people i'm like damn god i need to be like that man. i need to do i need to figure out how to be like that because she's so so incredible it's wonderful man I, uh, that difference that distinction of what you want versus what you need is really really something i need to process too as i teach on some of these things tonight ironically everybody even though you won't see it at this time tonight's the espies when we're recording yeah this, yeah yeah and you're actually going with her she's she's part of one of the nominated categories <sighs> so, right? yeah tonight's the first time well, we wwe has its own award at the espies which is awesome so for cool. our industry mm-hmm. and uh she's nominated she was the first woman in main event wrestlemania and it's 35 years and so again That's so cool just one more thing to admire about her yeah uh, she's really a trailblazer and so i'll be there tonight supporting her and and yeah. uh it's going to be a tough one because she's up against some really cool nominees. Roman Reigns uh, yeah. for him coming back from leukemia, which is incredible. Yeah. Uh, Kofi Kingston at WrestleMania, a huge moment for him. Yeah. And really minorities worldwide uh, in the sports industry and just in the world. Yeah. Uh, and then Ronda Rousey kind of paving the way as well. So it's a great company. Tons of awesome moments. And they've affected just all these different parts of the world that because yeah. that's sort of what wrestling does. And so... Uh, Really proud of her to That's be in so that cool. company, whether she wins or loses. I'm sure cool. she's proud of you, too. And, you know, we haven't really got a chance to talk about this, so I want to talk about this. I mean, at the center of all this is you're great at what you do, mm. and you've become this just revered person in the company. I love the WWE, and that's why, you know, I've had so many people from the from the company on my show, including Steph, because I know the inherent goodness in the company. I know the difference it made. I've been a fan since I was a child as well. Um, and then I got to tell you, the more and more I meet people that are part of the company, the more I love it more. I've just met nothing but wonderful people like you that are associated with the company. And I love it. I want to know what you love about being in it. What do you love Ooh. about, because the skill set's unreal. We were talking off camera. You guys, you're talking about some of the, I mean, world-class athletes combined with unbelievable performance skills and people skills. But what do you love about it? Do you love the rush of walking it in front of 30,000 or... What are the elements you love about Got it? Got loaded question again because there's so many things, mm-hmm. right? Like I've always loved the performance aspect of, of mm-hmm. professional wrestling and, and just like the way it, it brings together this like, it's this cool amalgamation of like all these different forms of entertainment, right? You've got like this kind of like television style storytelling mixed with like live action theater. Yeah. And then you've got like kind of stunt work involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's such a, like a, an underlying bit of psychology when it comes to like reading an audience that I don't think people fully grasp. And like, that's kind of what separates um, the good from the best. What do you mean um, by that? Well, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's simple storytelling, right? You've got like an antagonist, you've got a protagonist, you've got some sort of conflict and resolution. But like how you tell that story is your art. 
right? Mm. How you do that is your art, and that's what we get to do as, as artists, and that's kind of what we take pride in the most as far as like the performance aspect is concerned, is just being able to do that and take this crowd yeah. uh, on this roller coaster ride and with a match, with a, you know, a series of matches, with mm-hmm. uh, an entire story that spans months, mm-hmm. and so, or just a character, or just you know, this authenticity that you can bring to a television screen or a live audience, and so there's a psychology in involved with understanding what people are going to react to, what mm-hmm. they're going to care about, what they're not going to care about, and um, is how that all works together is is really a cool part of our industry. Can I say something about you on that? Yeah. Surprise me what you just said. I want everyone just to picture this because a lot of you are in business, and so you have multiple ways you present, too. You could be in a boardroom. You could be on the phone. It could be one-on-one, right? Mm-hmm. There's multiple dimensions to being influential, to being able to transfer energy, right? This isn't a knock on anybody in the company, but I've noticed, because I've been to live events and TV, one of the most unique things is what you just said. Imagine everybody that if you were an actor, you're performing a play in front of a live crowd that is also being broadcast on television. Yeah, That's a very difficult dynamic to trend both those places. Stage performance, just so you all know, is a really over the top thing Mm. that often doesn't play on TV. That's why very few TV and movie actors are actually good on stage. The best people in your company do both. Yeah. And I've been to live events. What I notice about you, and I will say, in, to, in my opinion, above everybody that I've watched that's in the current crop of stars, is your ability to energize the live room and the TV at the same time. I know you wouldn't say this. There are some people do a great job on TV, but it doesn't translate yep. to the room. Yep. Are you? How are you conscious of that, or is that just a giftedness of some type mm, that you have? So I, I think that the way I came through... Uh, the independent scene, uh, kind of having to make it on my own. So on the independent scene, you get so much practice in small rooms, right? Okay. And I'm talking small. I'm talking I've wrestled in front of eight people yeah. at a bingo hall. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you have to engage these eight people because they paid mm-hmm. for a ticket. They want mm-hmm. to be entertained. They're they're not expecting you to you know right. go halfway they want the whole thing and so if you can engage a small room of 15 people uh you know whether it be kids or adults and get them involved in your match then when when you start to add and you get into the hundreds and then into the thousands that part becomes easy but learning how to do that knowing your audience no matter where you go whether you're at a, yeah. a state fair in Kentucky or you're at you know a, a, a bingo hall in Philadelphia where it's 18 to 35 year old drunk men as mm-hmm. opposed to families and mm-hmm. you know um, Southerners in, in Georgia, you have to know your audience, you have to know what to give them, know what they want, know when they want it. And so I cut my teeth in independence learning how to do that. Yeah. And so I already had that skill set when I came to WWE. Mm-hmm. And so then when I got to WWE, it was about learning how to translate that yeah. to being on television. Mm-hmm. And so that was a whole new skill set that I had to learn. And mm-hmm. so I spent three years in our developmental system in NXT, FCW down in Florida, learning how to do that. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to the main roster of WWE, now you got to put both of those things together right. because we're doing live events a hundred times plus a year for me and then the television on top of that. And so, yeah, having, having the ability to kind of meld those two um, art forms is certainly something that not everybody is, yeah, you're is, ex- is versed at. You're excellent at that. And everybody, how does this translate to you? Many of you are one-dimensional in your business. You're just good one-on-one. You're just good on the phone. You're just good on a stage. The best people of influence, or you're just good with a particular type of person. You're yeah. just good with women. You're just good with men. You're just good with people who speak a particular language. 
the best people at anything, the world class, the max out, they're good at multiple ways of transferring energy to people and communicating, which is what I wanted to ask you about. I want to talk about being an elite performer. So this is just WWE, you, you're elite in this. Most people think they work hard, mm. okay? Yeah. So usually, by the way, the hardest workers don't think they do. In other words, they always think there's a little more room there, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you and I both have friends in different businesses, including your own business. You're not going to name them. I'm not going to name them in mine. Who are like constantly telling you how hard they're working, right? Yeah. And I and I think most people don't really know the extent of what the grind looks like for the best of the best people in the world. And so, I always like when someone like you's here because I can tell from meeting you, you got here through what you said earlier. You just freaking outworked everybody. You're just yeah. relentless, right? Yeah. And when you get to the top, everyone, it's even another level where most people don't stay on top as they get to the top and they go, it's not the journey, it's this destination. Ah, yeah. yeah. If I can, I'm just gonna let off about 8%. Not yeah. all of it, I'm not like eating Cheetos on the couch all day, but 8%. Just like, give me an example, like even today, what's it, what's, like, I know how difficult it was for you and I even to connect today. Yeah. What should, I mean, talk about like what today's like for you, a normal day, just the amount of the, what the grind looks like to win at something. It just depends, man, because our schedule is so intense. Like we do, um, I wrestle just outright, probably when I'm he super healthy, when I have no injuries, if I'm all healthy, I will wrestle close to 170 matches a year, all right? So that's, that's on the road four days a week, every single week. Now, mind you, I live in Iowa, so I've got to take flights Friday morning at 6 a.m., sometimes earlier, connecting. You're connecting everywhere. Connecting everywhere. Yep. Get to a small town on Friday. Got to get in a workout because if I get on a plane and I sit there, you know, for a few hours, I'm like this. So I got to get to a gym. I got to move around. Then I got to go work. Then we got to get in a car and drive four hours to the next town. Try to get a little bit of sleep. Hope there's no media in the morning the next day. Then get up, do do it all over again. Work out, wrestle, and the toll that takes on your body. Then get in the car, cram yourself in, drive another four or five hours to the next town. So you do that all weekend, then you get to TV, you have a 12 hour day on Monday, plus you have phone interviews, you gotta promote the live events for the next weekend, you've got backstage stuff that you've gotta film ahead of time, you know, you've gotta, now you get your, your, your story for that Monday, which by the way, we don't get that stuff ahead of time. We get it Monday because we got to tape live TV every Monday and it changes depending on who's hurt, who's healthy, uh, how ratings were the week before, what people are into, what they're not, what the story is. So we get that Monday. It's not like we're getting these these promos to, to memorize weeks in advance like you do in a movie. You can, mm. you, know, you can read your lines. No, we get this. We get one take to go out there. Whoa. One take to go out there, not suck. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, when it comes to the match, when it comes to the promo, when it comes to the backstage stuff, it's all live every single Monday. And that's if we didn't have a pay-per-view on Sunday. Mind you, that's another 12-hour day at the arena. Then another drive at night. And then on Tuesday, if I'm lucky, I'll fly home. Maybe, or this week, fly to LA. Got humanitarian awards last night, but I had a Mattel commercial that I had to shoot earlier in the day. So I'm on set again for another six hours. Luckily, I got out a little early because Mattel people think we can't read our lines, but. <laughs> You're used to this. Yeah, I'm used to yeah. it. A couple takes and I'm out. But then, oh, I have a couple extra hours in the day. What will I do? Mm -hmm. Go to the gym, of course. Mm -hmm. Gotta get in there, get that done, because I gotta stay in shape. So then go to the Humanitarian Awards. Then again this morning, gotta work out before I come in here, do this interview. Then we're going to the ESPYs tonight. Then tomorrow, 
Luckily, I have one day off, and that's only because our appearance got canceled. But then I'll have a red-eye flight to Augusta, Maine, which is legit all the way across the country. Uh, and so and then we'll do it all over again. And that, that, is, that is with no off-season. That is year round, not including international tours, trips to, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia, Australia, South America, Japan. We just got back from Singapore and Japan for a few days. So it's legit nonstop all the time. And on top of that, I have a wrestling school that I run back in Iowa. So when I am home, they're not days off. They're days that I'm at the gym, at the school, uh, teaching the future of the business, how to do what I do. And hopefully they can, you know. I can leave it in good hands when I'm when I can't do it anymore. Unreal, brother. So now, how hard are you all working? Right, right. Like that's that's. And if if, if and by the way, if I had a, a, a seven figure earning CEO in here, the details would be different. But the pace and the repetition to be great at anything is what this requires, right? And so I wanted people to hear this because you make it look easy. You are humble, and yet that's incredible what you end up doing. So what I see when someone does that. I want to go a little deeper. Mm. Um, you got to have unbelievable habits and rituals to do that. Like, what, I just did a video on this today. Like, I've had this week where I'm not like up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just not up. Yet it's been highly productive. Yep. And the reason is when you get fatigued or you get down, you kind of do go into this autopilot. So for me, like I do have this habit of what I do in the morning. I'm gonna get to a gym every day, right? Yeah. There's just things that are non-negotiable habits of mine. What are some of yours? Yeah, so the gym's the one for me. Like mm-hmm. that's it for me. Like if I, that that's my peace of mind because you can really, you're forced, if you wanna have an effective workout, right? You gotta like compartmentalize. So um, a, a friend of mine, uh, Jason Kalipa, who, mm-hmm. who is awesome, we discussed him a little bit. He, he's got this thing called AMRAP mentality, where if you're a CrossFit guy, AMRAP is like as many reps as possible. And it forces you in a workout, so say it's you know as many reps as possible uh, in 12 minutes of five pull-ups and mm-hmm. 12 squats, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to, you have 12 minutes to get the most work done, but not just like blow yourself up sky high, you've got to be efficient about it. You've mm. got to understand. So he, he he tries to apply this to other portions of his life, and it's certainly yep. something that I've taken in because when you're at the gym, you cannot have an effective workout if you're on your phone, if you're doing all this other stuff, if you're you know talking, yada, yada. You have to, you've got this hour sometimes mm-hmm. less to, to get this done. Mm-hmm. And so it's my safe place. It, it I get to zone out and focus entirely on the fitness yeah. and just how that feels. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like just tear myself down with a, with a gnarly workout yeah. to get me to a point where I'm just like, all right. It's almost meditation. Go. It's almost meditation. Yeah, yeah it's as, as meditative as, as I get. Yeah, is it AMRAP? Is that what you call it? Yeah, AMRAP yeah. mentality. Yeah, I, mine started with max out. And one of the reasons was that same principle. I'll tell you how it happened for me, just for everyone to have a little peek in here, is... I was at the gym, this dude is when I was bigger. This dude had these huge traps. Like, and I, I'm like you at the gym, I just work out and leave, right? Like I'm not there to, you know, what are you doing? I, yeah. I, I, I hadn't done this in like 10 years. I've been at the gym for like 25 years. I walk over this guy like an idiot. And I'm like, how do you get such big traps? Like you don't ask, you just act like, that's the dweeb at the gym, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I was pretty jacked at the, you know, at the time. And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, man, I just train them, you know? <laughs> Nothing. But I said to him, I said, so how many, how many reps do you do per set? Yeah. And I'll never forget this. They were these huge traps. And the dude, he looked at me like, until I can't do anymore. <laughs> In other words, like, and I'm like this guy, I do six sets of eight. And this, he's like, that's so stupid. Like doomed to fatigue, like doomed <laughs> till you can't. And that's a, 
But it's been a principle I've transferred over into every area of my life. Yeah. It's like, how many phone calls are I going to make today? As many as I physically freaking can, right? Mm-hmm. And so anyway, that transferred over for yeah, me. So I yeah. love, 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 love that you said that. So if you were to advise somebody who's out there, they've got a dream. Mm. They're like, hey, man, I want to make my business happen, my life happen, my artwork happen, my music career happen, my relationship happen. What would your ad- just general advice be? If someone ran into you at a Starbucks and said, can I get three minutes, which would be difficult to get, what would you say to them? Man, so the the one thing, and this is sort of counterintuitive to what, um, you know, this kind of go, go, go mentality that I gave you, but one thing I think people need to understand is that it just does not happen overnight. Like, it just doesn't. You're looking at, you know, success is a product of, of time. So I always tell them, you have to outwork everyone in the room, first of all, and you have to be patient because, it, again, you, you want to get things going, you want to get them going, and, and, I, and I fully endorse that. I, you know, figure out a way to take this idea and put it into action. Mm-hmm. But it's gonna, it's not just gonna, you're not just gonna go from zero to 100 mm-hmm. immediately. Like, you're just not gonna be an overnight success. Mm-hmm. Every overnight success story is years in the making. Yeah. And so understanding that you do have to be patient when it comes to waiting for that feeling of success mm-hmm. or that waiting, waiting for that feeling of fulfillment. So those two things are huge keys. And also having one end goal is great, but also setting incremental goals along the way. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, and I've seen this uh, you know, in friends of mine, they'll have this one lofty goal, which I fully approve of. I say, shoot for the moon. You know what I'm saying? Put, put yourself in a place where you, can't even, you don't even think you're ever going to get there. Mm-hmm. But also have attainable goals along the way. Because if this is the only thing that you can see, you're always going to feel like you're coming up short. Mm-hmm. And so, you, yes, you want to feel like there's always more work to be done. But give yourself a pat on the back every once in a while. Because mm-hmm. life's hard. Don't make it harder than it's got to be. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. It's not easy for everybody. So patience, hard work, and set some incremental goals along with that big a big end goal for yourself. Really, really good, brother. I'm enjoying this so much today. Like, it's flying by. Like, flying by. I didn't know we were going to be able to get into all these things. I'm going to give you a general question to finish. Um, by the way, I like your social media. Oh, thanks. So, for, where can they find you? Let's make sure that everybody here can find you if they choose to. Yeah, Instagram, Twitter, at WWB Rollins. Um, you know, we got some stuff going on. You can look at my wrestling school. It's at Black and Brave Wrestling. Um, or you know, have a uh, an online fitness community with Dead Boys Fitness as well. So you can check all that stuff out. Um, but my official stuff with the blue check mark is at WW Rollins on Twitter. It's and good Instagram. stuff too, by the way. Last question. Uh, didn't know I was going to ask you this, but I'm just observing you. And um, I, there's a compliment. I, I don't mean this. It's going to sound like a backwards compliment. <laughs> there's. Uh, I'm. I'm um, impressed with how much depth there is to you. Oh, thank you. Uh, I knew you were talented. I knew you were gifted. I could. I knew from watching you uh, that you were a grinder. This mm-hmm. dude's a worker, um, but there's a lot of depth there. And so, what I root for for you is that you're happy. Oh yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like uh, I, you can get to the top of something in life and achieve everything. Yeah. And then I, I, you can, and but the ultimate measurement is happiness. So I'm just curious, and it could be this is just happening. Yeah. Two dudes talking. Mm. Are you happy, and do you know what makes you happy if you need more of it? Oh, man. So the second one, I'll start backwards a little okay. bit. So uh, I don't know what makes me happy all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, uh, and I will forego happiness a lot of the time mm-hmm. um, for the sake of progress when it comes to my career. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, 
Yes, I am happy. Um, I, I feel very content, and I think a lot of it has to do with, um, and you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier. And this, it's, it's uh, a bit of a cliche, but uh, honestly, it hit me really hard early this year when I fell in love with Becky. Like that personal connection that I had with her, I was, I was at a point in my life where I felt like something was missing. There was some sort of fulfillment that I wasn't getting. I had reached the point where I had accomplished a lot of my goals, and I realized that the journey was, you know, a, a big part of that, as opposed to just being in this in place. But I felt like there was this connection that I was missing, and I didn't know if I was ever going to get it to the point where I had like seriously considered writing off monogamy as a whole i was like maybe it's just not for me maybe this is my my mistress and that's all it's ever going to be uh and then the you know her and i kind of connected on a really a deeper level and i started to look forward to the second half of my life more i started to realize that uh you know as cliche as it sounds again Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't necessarily uh all these relationships were nonsense until I met the right one. Yeah. And uh, all these things that I thought that I never really was interested in, like being married, being a husband, uh, having kids, started to feel like options for me in the future. And then I started looking again to the second half of my life and say, okay, you know, I'm not going to be able to do this forever. Mm-hmm. But that's something that I can look forward to. And being able to share that with someone that you care about so much um, puts me in a pretty good place mentally. So to be able to have this, to have that, um, you know, I, I'm fortunate that my friends and family are, are uh, healthy and, and taken care of and in a good place. And so I, I really cannot uh, ask for much more out of life right now as a, as a, as a 33-year-old me. Pretty cool, man. Yeah, it, it really is. Colby, I like you. Well, thanks, man. <laughs> I like you. I'm rooting for you. Well, if there's anything you. I can ever do for you, ah. I'm here to help. Well, thank you. And uh, I know the fans love Seth Rollins, but I really like this Colby guy he a whole bad. lot. He so. bad. I enjoyed this today, brother. I know millions of people did as well, so thank you so much. Oh, well, thanks for having me. It was a great chat. I appreciate it. It was man. really cool, man. Yeah, I'm sure, sure it won't be our last. So, everybody, if you enjoyed this today, don't forget on Instagram, every day, the Max Out two-minute drill. When I make a post in my main feed every day, because we want to engage with you. I want to know who you want on the show. This is by popular demand that Colby was here today, that Seth's here. And... I want to make sure that I'm engaging with you. So every day I run the two-minute drill on Instagram. That means when I make a post within the first two minutes, if you make a comment, you're in a daily drawing. Okay, And in that drawing, you can win coaching call with me, autographed copy of my book, tickets to see me speak. Sometimes you get to connect with my guests, ride on my jet a group had recently, just where we get to connect more. If you, and there's three ways to win. If you miss the first two minutes, make a, you make the comment the first two minutes. Two, just make a comment on every post I make every day. We pick a winner who just regularly comments regardless of the time. Or make comments on other people's comments so I know you're communicating and collaborating with others. God bless all of you out there in Max Out Universe. Continue to support the program. Take care. This is the Ed Show. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen.